Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 4. As you're turning, don't forget following the service, uh, all of you who are cooking turkeys, uh, please see me. I want to turkey you. And uh, we've got a whole flock of turkeys that needs to fly out of here tonight. And uh, they'll have to fly in your hands because their little wings are frozen to their bodies. Uh, so don't forget to grab those tonight. Acts chapter 4. We're going to read together verses 1 through 13, and we spent several weeks working our way through the first three chapters, and we break into chapter 4 tonight as we're working our way through the book of Acts. We're going to talk tonight about the testimony of Peter and John, and I believe a vital message for us tonight. I believe, and you'll see as we read this passage, but before we get there, understand that the testimony that the world saw of John and of Peter had a great impact. Matter of fact, the Bible words, it says they turned the world upside down. And a big part of that was because of their testimony and how it was perceived in their culture of the day. The Bible says in verse 1 of Acts 4, And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. By the way, can I, can I tell you, here, let me stop just for a moment. Uh, the people that Jesus had the most trouble with and the people that Peter and James and John and all these folks had the most trouble with was the religious crowd. It hadn't changed much in 2,000 years. But we see the religious crowd got mad at them because they were preaching a relationship rather than religion. By the way, religion still doesn't like that. It says, being grieved, verse 2 that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. It's very plain here. They didn't like that. You know what they wanted to preach? They wanted religion preached. Uh, they wanted what they said preached, not Jesus. Verse 3, and they laid hands on them, uh, and they put them in the hold the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. I think that's a pretty good number. Uh, you know, Jeff called me and said, Pastor, 5,000 people I talked to today, they, they trusted Christ. I'd, I'd have a heart attack. Uh, that'd be a lot of people. Uh, 5,000, it says here. It goes on uh, to say in verse 5, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, uh, you'll, you'll recognize those names because those are both men that Jesus was taken to uh, before he was crucified. And John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Before we pray tonight, I want you to notice something about verse 11. When Peter's speaking about that stone, you understand very plainly here, he's not talking about himself. 
Uh, he's talking about Jesus Christ. But as we pray tonight, we ask the Lord to help us to see the importance of the testimony. Lord, I pray you'd bless us. And Lord, as we examine uh, what you did here powerfully, uh, Lord, by your power, and Lord, by the word of the testimony of these men, uh, men that were not perfect men, but men that were born again, men that had the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them just as we do today, uh, men who had a testimony that could be used to have an impact in their world. And Lord, may we see the need of our testimony, the need of the impact that we can have in our world today. And Lord, thank you for what you still can do. Lord, I'm glad that your arm is not shortened, that you cannot save. Now, Lord, bless us tonight. Help us direct our minds and thoughts as we examine your scripture. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Now, I stopped short of the end of the chapter, because I, or end of the passage, because I want you to see verse 13 with me here. Let's look at it together. This is uh, the key verse of the passage we just read. It culminates here in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them. Notice the phrase, and this is ultimately the key of the message tonight, that they had been with Jesus. That they had been with Jesus. We see their testimony was not, look how good of a preacher Peter is. It was not, look how good at arguing the law these men are. It was not, look how persuasive or how good of a story they tell. It wasn't even, look how they stand up to mistreatment. The impact was they knew that they had been with Jesus. Peter and John, as we understand from this passage, had enjoyed such a relationship with Christ, such a vital relationship, a warm relationship, a radiant relationship, that that relationship they had was obvious to the world around them. Now the question tonight then, Christian, is do I, do you have that kind of relationship that the world understands and sees that? That's our testimony. Uh, I spoke with a family today, uh, chatted with, I started to share the gospel with them, found out they were Christians uh, from a, another country, and uh, they began to tell me how they were shocked when they came to Canada and they saw how empty churches were in Canada. So the country they were from, that you had to wait in line outside and you might get a seat in the church, or maybe you'd have to wait till next Sunday. Uh, they said they couldn't believe how the churches were empty in Canada. Uh, why, why do so few Christians uh, make any impression on the world whatsoever? Why is it that the great majority of people are outside, outside of the gospel? And I believe it's because of the lack of our testimony in our world today, the lack of our impact on the world around us. And we see the testimony of Peter and John here in this passage uh, so much Christianity today is not vital, doesn't affect others. It's just superfluous. It uh, doesn't seem to matter. At least that's the way most of the world looks at Christianity today. Uh, there's too much uh, profession and too little possession, it seems. Uh, today folks speak of the gospel. They speak of uh, salvation. But uh, as you look at the impact that we're making, you have to wonder uh, how much reality there is. 
And we see that in Titus chapter 1 and verse 16. Uh, too many Christians today, just as in Jesus' day, uh, the early church, there were those that were half-hearted. The Bible speaks about in the Gospels. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 58. Uh, the, the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians was a, a letter, two letters written to a carnal church. Uh, I mean, they were believers. Uh, they were folks that had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. But they were carnal. They, they weren't spiritual. They, they were babes in Christ. Uh, they're a bunch of little thumb-sucking, diaper-wearing Christian babies uh, gathering together. And much of that going on today, keeping our impact from being what it ought to be. Uh, and then we see in Revelation chapter 3, uh, it speaks of lukewarm Christians. How many of you like hot coffee? How many of you like cold coffee? How many of you like it in between? I don't like it in between. Uh, I'm not mad at you, Brother Daryl. I just don't like that in between. I like my coffee real hot, or I, I can drink iced coffee. But when I get coffee, some of you, you, how many of you like the great big giant coffee mugs? Some of you like those big coffee mugs. I hate those things. And I'll tell you why I hate them. I, I drink my coffee slow, and I want my coffee hot. So I'd rather have a small cup and have hot coffee and empty the cup and go get another cup and go get another cup and another cup. And eventually I just get an IV bag and put the IV in my arm. But I, I like it to stay hot. I, I don't like it to get warm. I remember uh, a few months ago I was in the office. I don't think Colton, I don't think you were there that day. And I had a cup of coffee. I went and got a cup of coffee. It was a good cup of coffee. But I also had another cup that had a little bit of coffee in it that was left from a day or two before. And I, I was doing something. I reached to grab a coffee cup and I took a sip of that day or two old coffee. Brother Jeff, I didn't spew, but I came pretty close. I was like, whoa, whoa, it was disgusting. It just, I wanted, it wasn't what I thought. The Bible says, God said about Christians. He said, I'd rather you be cold or hot. He said, if you look warm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And today in our culture, we have a lot of lukewarm, a lot of lukewarm Christians. We don't want to affect anything. We just want to rise to the level of everything around us. But we see that Peter and John, their testimony was different. Their experience of Christ was vital. By the way, to the world, their experience of Christ was disturbing. It disturbed the religious leaders. It bothered them. Uh, but it was productive. So much so that even their accusers, the men that hated them, the men that put, wanted to put them in jail, wanted to kill them, said and were impressed to the point where they realized that they'd been with Jesus. Verse 5, it says, It came to pass in the morrow, the rulers and elders and scribes, in verse 6, and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, as many were the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. They gathered together. I mean, they're checking them out. They, they, they were impressed. Understand, these are a couple of dumb fishermen, according to them. Why were the, the religious leaders, the why were they gathering together? Because of the impact of the testimony of a couple dumb fishermen. It was their relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to share a couple things quickly tonight uh, about uh, the characteristics of their personal relationship with the Lord. Now, I want us to see their relationship 
and what their relationship did so we can understand that our relationship with Christ, we can have a relationship that does all of these things in our world today. Number one, their relationship was quickly seen. Verse 13, notice there. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. The world looked at John and looked at Peter and they saw it immediately. They, they had no question. If I walked in here tonight and I had a big Afro wig on. How many of you remember our, our first couples banquet we had? Uh, somebody brought a, a big Afro wig. I had it on. I looked really good in an Afro. You should see me, uh, Arnold. I look pretty sharp in an Afro. Uh, there's a picture of me somewhere wearing that thing. If I walked in with a big Afro wig on, nobody in this room tonight would go, there's something different about pastor, but I don't know exactly what it is. Brother Bonnie would be back there laughing so hard he'd be falling out of a chair. Uh, he'd walk in and go, look at that. There, there'd be no question about it. That, that you would see it immediately going from this to this would be very obvious. Now, their testimony, a testimony of their relationship, their closeness with the Christ, it was quickly seen. Verse 13, it says they, they saw that. Uh, a genuine Christian, one who has a close relationship with Christ, it will be visible. It will be obvious. By the way, God's not looking for any secret disciples. He's not looking for any secret service Christians. Uh, he, he doesn't need you to be a deep fake mole uh, in the world today. God wants us to proclaim him. He wants us to have a relationship that's obvious to the world I wear a wedding band. Now, this wedding band's a little out of shape. Uh, and by the way, it's not the one that I got when I got married because I lost that one on my honeymoon. Uh, but it is an exact duplicate of that ring. Uh, I wear this for a couple of reasons. Number one, because if I didn't wear it, Miss Lois, I'd have a groove in my finger that would look really weird. Uh, but I wear it because I want the world to know that I'm married. I want, I want my wife to know that I love her. I want to wear it as a sign that, hey, I, I'm married. I, I have a wife. I want folks to know that. Can I tell you that God wants you to let others know by your testimony that you belong to him? It was quickly seen. Uh, can I tell you that dead, lifeless religion does nothing? Religion is not effective. Uh, it's dead. Uh, religion as the world calls it. But can I tell you that a living faith and a living relationship with Jesus Christ will be obvious. It will be obvious. It was obvious to them. These men that gathered together, we read about in verse, uh, verse number 6, verse number 5 and 6, we're talking about the most powerful people available in Jerusalem. They're gathered together to talk about Two, as they would call them, dumb fishermen. Because their testimony was seen. It was obvious. Christian, when you have a close relationship with Jesus Christ, it'll be obvious. But I'm afraid many of us today, we fly right under the radar. Nobody even questions or wonders if you're a believer. They've never heard you say the name of Jesus. Uh, the folks that you interact with on a, a daily, weekly, weekly basis... They've never heard you mention the Lord. They, as far as they know, there's no difference between them and you. 
our relationship ought to be very quickly seen. Number two, the relationship that Peter and John had, their testimony was bold, was fearless. In verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Boldness. How did they see it? What was it that caused them to see that boldness? They saw it in three ways. Number one, they saw it in their might. In the miracle they performed. Look at verse 16. Saying, what shall we do to these men for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And I want you to notice the last phrase here. And we can't deny it. These powerful men said, we can't deny the fact that they did something. <laughs> like, this is a miracle. There's power here. Uh, they're, they're bold, they're fearless, and we see it in the power. Now, they wrongly believed it was their power when Peter would tell them, hey, it wasn't us. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you know, the one you killed, he rose again. It's by his name and his power this man walks. But they saw it, number one, in their might. Number two, they saw it in their manner. I want you to uh, look at verses 18 through 21 with me in this passage. It says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now, these are the most powerful people in their world. These are people that have the power of life and death. And we see there in verse number 18, they're told, hey, don't speak at all in our teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 19. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than to God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. They said, hey, we're not going to go against you because we want to fight you. We want to do what God wants us to do. And the only thing we can do is tell you what we've seen and what we've heard. They said, we're going to keep talking about Jesus. We're going to keep speaking about Jesus. I love the story of John Bunyan. Uh, by the way, John Bunyan's not the one that had a blue ox. That was Paul Bunyan. But John Bunyan, uh, the one that penned Pilgrim's Progress from the Bedford Jail. John Bunyan, a street preacher. John Bunyan was put in prison for preaching the gospel on the streets and refusing to take a license to do so. And uh, John Bunyan, as he shared Christ, as he was put in jail, they got his little daughter to come into the jail, and the little daughter told Daddy, said, Daddy, you can go home. You can leave prison. All you have to do is you have to promise you won't preach on the streets anymore. And John Bunyan told his little daughter, if they let me out of jail today, I'll be preaching on the streets tomorrow. We see the boldness of John Bunyan, but we see the boldness of Peter and John. The boldness in their manner, how they answered. Uh, the boldness of their belief. They said, we know what we've seen. We know what we have to speak. Number three, they saw the boldness and fearlessness of Peter and John in their message. And this is powerful, verses 8 through 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Peter's, Peter is talking to them directly. It says there in verse 9, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he's made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel. 
that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. Verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Amen. Christian, the world needs a bold message. It doesn't need uh, false teachers saying, oh, I, you know, there's lots of ways to God. There's a word for that in the hillbilly where I'm from that I won't say out loud. Uh, a nicer word would be baloney, Brother Ramon. Uh, there's not many ways to God. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Peter said, hey, there's only one way. They were bold in their message. They didn't say, hey, we're all going the same direction. We're all finding our way to God. No, Peter said there is a message of truth, and this is truth. He stood boldly and proclaimed it. Can I tell you what happened when he proclaimed boldly the truth after this man was healed? 5,000 people believed. Had Peter stood up and said, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of ways to God. We're all just trying to get the same place. Not one person would have got the gospel. But Peter had a bold message, a bold message. Our testimony needs to be married with a bold message. Married with a bold message. We see the boldness of Peter and John. Number three, we see they were bold and fearless. Their testimony, number three, was a testimony that was ready to suffer persecution. In verse three, it says, and they laid hands on them. We're not talking about... They didn't put their hands on them and pray for them. <laughs> no, when they laid hands on them, they grabbed them. I used to know a fellow. Uh, he was a lost man. He is. And uh, if you said something that he was offended by or something he didn't like, he'd look at you and say, you're going to have a religious experience. So I'm going to lay my hands on you. Uh, they laid their hands on them. They grabbed them. They put them in prison. Uh, they were ready to suffer persecution for their faith. That was the litmus test. I've shared the story before, but in the former Soviet Union, years ago before the fall, uh, early fall, I'm not sure it's still back up again a bit, but the fall of communism, it was illegal to gather, illegal to hold church services. And there was a group meeting in an underground church in the basement of a building, and as they were gathered there, Soldiers walked in the back door, soldiers with AK-47s. Two men walked in carrying, wearing military garb, carrying AK-47s, walked in the back door down to that basement where the believers were gathered and said, if you're a Christian, you're going to die. He said, if you found your way here accidentally and you don't want to be here, we'll give you a chance to leave. If you leave, you're saying you don't believe in Christ. And there were a few folks that left. The folks that remained told the story of how when the door was closed, the last person left. Those men laid down their weapons. They took off their uniforms. And they said, we were looking for some real Christians that we could gather with. Can I tell you, real Christians, real Christianity, a real testimony is a testimony that is willing to face persecution. And we see their testimony was such they were willing, if need be, face persecution. There are many today being tested by severe persecution, many countries today. We, we have it so easy here. We have it so easy. And yet there are those that 
literally, if they gathered tonight as we do, they gather under fear of death. They gather wondering if the government's going to come and take their children. Wondering if they're going to be taken to jail or their family's going to be targeted. Peter and John had that kind of faith. Their testimony number four, as I hasten here tonight, was independent of natural gifts. It wasn't because of who they were. It wasn't because of their personality. It says in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men. Their testimony was not, wow, look at them. Look at how well put together they are. They're the, they're the whole package. They're the total package. No. It was not dependent upon who they were. That, by the way, that doesn't mean that God can't use someone that is educated and God can't use someone that has learned. But it does mean that our testimony is not dependent upon who we are. It's not dependent upon our intellect. It's not dependent upon our looks. Praise Jesus. Uh, it's not dependent upon our strength uh, or our weaknesses. It is based upon Christ. It's based upon Him. Uh, God, by the way, I believe delights to use nobodies. God delights to use nobodies. The Bible says not many, not many mighty. Not many mighty are chosen. God likes to take the little boy with a few fish and a few pieces of bread and use that little child and feed thousands. God likes to take a, a foul-mouthed, bad-tempered fisherman named Peter and clean him up and make him a little more like Christ and empower him with the Holy Spirit and have him stand and preach boldly with his sailor tongue, Jesus Christ, and thousands saved. God wants to use you. He wants to use me. He can use, and that's the wonderful thing, he can use anybody. We, we look at people that God has used and we go, wow, how wonderful. I saw a picture today, a picture that thrilled my heart. How many of you know the name Rick Martin? Many from the Philippines know Brother Martin. Many others. Brother Rick Martin has been pastoring a missionary in the Philippines now for, I'm going to guess, 40 years, 37, 38 years in Iloilo City. Brother Martin, I would say many would agree with this, probably one of the greatest missionaries alive on planet Earth today. Phenomenal man. Phenomenal work. Right now, while we're gathered here, granted, I know it's nighttime there, I believe, but this, this week, Brother Martin is holding a pastor's conference there in Iloilo. And I saw pictures today because Pastor Wilkerson is there. And I saw a picture of Pastor Wilkerson with Brother Martin. If you've ever seen Brother Martin, you'll know how comical that picture is. Uh, Pastor Wilkerson's a big man. Brother Martin is about that tall. If you didn't know who he was and he walked up here tonight on the platform and I said, I want to introduce you to a great, a great man of God, you'd go, What? Brother Martin's about that big around. He's about this tall, strange-looking little fella. He's not strong physically. He's not a bombastic preacher. He's a great preacher, but not a bombastic orator. 
But God took a little guy who said, I'll give my life to serve the Philippine Islands. And God used him mightily. This last year, he and his dear wife both have gone through some serious health issues. God spared both their lives. But God used Brother Rick Martin not because of who he was, not because of his abilities or because of his great strength or his uh, giant size. God has used him because he was available. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. And it's, it's not based upon our, what we bring to the table. It's all about what God gives us. And I love that. I love that their testimony was not, wow, look at Peter. Wow, look at John. The testimony was, wow, they've been with Jesus. Number next, number five. Their testimony. The testimony of Peter and John got massive results. It got massive results. I've been waterfowl hunting a couple times in my life. I enjoyed it, but I'm not a big fan of, uh, of wild duck and wild goose. I've eaten them, and Brother Maud, I'd rather buy a turkey from the store. Uh, they're just not very delicious, according to me. You may love them. And uh, so I haven't done a lot of waterfowl hunting. But when I went waterfowl hunting, I used a shotgun, a 12-gauge shotgun, and I would shoot, aim at the bird, and of course I missed about 3,000 of them. Uh, But I've killed a few ducks, and uh, I've killed a a goose or two, and and when you squeeze the trigger, if you hit it, one drops. Years ago, years ago before regulation, uh, when there was a much smaller population in our world, There used to be professional hunters that would hunt waterfowl to sell them, and they would use what's called a punt gun. And a punt gun was this enormous gun that they would mount in like a a dinghy or or a boat. It would be mounted in the boat. It was a shotgun about that big around. And the reason they mounted it on the boat is because they don't make a man big enough to hold it and shoot it without their shoulder looking like Pastor Rice's when it was done. And they'd mount that punk gun in the boat, and they'd load that gun, and the guys would go out, and they'd basically point the boat at the birds. Now, when we hunt waterfowl today, you know, we don't shoot them on the water. You know, we make sure they fly up. Back then, they weren't too concerned about the ethics of how they got the birds. They just needed to feed a lot of people. Uh, so they'd take the boat, and they'd get close to all the ducks on the water. They'd point the boat in the direction of the ducks, and they'd fire the punk gun, and the, boom, the boat would go backwards, and 30, 40, 50 dead ducks would be laying in the water. That's pretty good results. That's the kind of duck hunting Rebecca needs to do because she can't hit a regular duck with a regular gun. But they got a big result, (laughs) a big gun, big result. Can I tell you the testimony of John and the testimony of Peter? It got some pretty massive results. It was not because of the preaching of Peter and John. It wasn't because of the personality. It was because of the relationship with their God. And we see what happened there. Two Christians, just two, two Christians set on fire by the Lord infected thousands for the gospel's sake. Thousands. In verse 4, it says, Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, 
and the number of the men was about 5,000. Now, I want you to notice the phrase in there, the number of the men. By the way, the same kind of wording you see when it speaks of the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, 5,000 men. Uh, now, those men had wives and children, and uh, there were probably many more that believed, but the, the men that day that believed were 5,000. That is a great, amazing result and impact of the gospel. Uh, things aren't different today. The gospel's not different. You know, today I go, I go waterfowl hunting. I've got a 12-gauge shotgun. I don't have a punt gun. But that's not the case with the gospel. We have the same gospel gun. We have the same message. We have the same Holy Spirit. And our relationship with Christ, our testimony can be such that we can have a great impact. By the way, a great impact is even if I reach one person, if I share the gospel with one person, that's a great impact. It's not about how many people believe. It's about the impact of our testimony with others. And we see there was a great impact here. Uh, the Lord hasn't changed. Man's need has not changed. The Holy Spirit's power is not restricted. We can have massive results in reaching the world, reaching our friends, reaching our family with the gospel, with our relationship with Christ. Number six, their relationship with Christ, their testimony, attracted others to Christ himself. It was not Peter gaining followers. It was not John saying, man, i got to get some more Instagram followers here. i got to get people to follow me. Rather, their relationship with Christ and their testimony got other people to follow Jesus. You see, we're not seeking to get people to follow us. We shouldn't be. Our goal ought to get people to follow our God, our Savior. Their testimony attracted others, not to them, but attracted others to Christ. Verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. The only explanation that these rulers, these powerful men, these religious leaders could give was Jesus. That was it. Chapter 3, back in the previous chapter in verse 12, it says, And when Peter saw it, he answered the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we've made this man to walk? Peter said, Fellas, it's, it's not me. It, it's not John, my buddy John here. It's Jesus. And it was Jesus that he kept pointing people to over and over and over again. And the testimony of the disciples, the testimony later of the Apostle Paul, the testimony of those early missionaries in the early church was pointing people to Jesus Christ. This testimony, the testimony they had attracted others to Christ. What a wonderful Savior. I've shared the story before, but a pastor that used to be my parents' pastor, dear man, good man, he's a big guy. I sent Pastor uh, Brother Jim Price, Miss Jim and Ruth, last year, uh, preached. Brother Jim went there and preached there at the church. 
Got him a meeting. I called him up. Brother John Smith's his name. I called Brother Smith, told him when Brother Jim was coming. And he had Jim and Ruth come. And Pastor Smith's a wonderful man. Pastor's a, a big work in West Virginia. He describes himself like this. He says he looks like two ice cream cones stuck together. Brother Smith's about six foot four. Uh, he used to be about six foot four wide. Uh, had kind of narrow shoulders for a great big man, kind of look like this, uh, but a good man. He liked to eat, and uh, he, uh, years ago, he was at an Outback Steakhouse, and Outback used to be his favorite restaurant. I heard him talk about it many times, and his favorite thing to get at the Outback Steakhouse was the, the I think it was called the Blondie Brownie, some kind of pecan, something, I don't know, it was like a white brownie with ice cream and some kind of fancy branding they had, quasi-Australian name. And he ordered it, and he was at this place eating one of those, him and his wife. And after he got done eating it, the manager of this outback came over and said to him, he knew him, said, uh, Pastor Smith, we would like to give you another free dessert on the house if you'll eat it. <laughs> and Brother Smith said, oh, man, this must be heaven. Uh, he said, that'd be great. I'd love to have another one. But could I ask why you want to give me one? And they said, Pastor Smith, once you got that, people started watching how much you were enjoying eating it. And almost every table around you ordered one after they saw you eating it. If you wouldn't mind, we'll give you one if you'll eat it. We want people to see you enjoying eating this dessert so we can make more money off of these people. Now, the people looked and saw him and said, man, that must be good. That man is really enjoying that dessert. He must, man, he must, that must be the best dessert that's ever been. That guy, man, he's the happiest man that's ever lived. I want what he's having. Christian, can I ask you how many people look at you and go, man, I want what she has. I want what he has. When our relationship with Christ is what it ought to be, that should be the reality for us. The world should say, man, I want that relationship. I want their Savior. I want what they have. And lastly, number seven, their testimony. And our testimony ought to glorify God. Ultimately, everything we do ought to glorify God. One humble, radiant Christian with a vital relationship with Jesus Christ can bring great glory to God. We see in verse 14, and beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing about it. Verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all the men, notice this, glorified God for that which was done. Hold on a minute. Had they glorified Peter and John, Peter and John would be dead. They could have killed him. But understand what Peter and John did. Their testimony was pointing that glory to God. And those 5,000 men and others that were saved, they glorified the God of Peter and John, not Peter and John. Christian, our testimony ought to glorify God, not us. It ought to build up our Savior, not our ego. And we see their testimony ultimately glorified their God. It says there in verse 13, they took notice they'd been with Jesus. 
been with Jesus. I want to give you just three quick thoughts, and we'll close with this tonight. Places that they'd been with Jesus. Places they'd been with Jesus. Number one, Peter and John had both been to the place of pardon. They had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They who were sinners had found forgiveness and salvation through their Savior, Jesus Christ. They'd been to the cross. Their sins had been forgiven through faith in their Redeemer. And by the way, if we're going to have the world see that we've been to G- with Jesus, we have to be with him at the cross. We have to be born again. I've shared the story many times of a dear man who started coming to church years ago. His name was Nick. Nick had started reading his Bible, and he was voraciously reading his Bible. Nick believed wholeheartedly that the King James Bible was the inspired, preserved Word of God, and he wanted to read it, and he wanted to believe it, and he wanted everybody to know it. He loved listening to preaching. He wanted to, he was really all about, it seemed, everything spiritual. But Nick had a problem. One day I, I asked Nick to share his testimony at a men's prayer breakfast. He got up and started talking for a while. Finally, he sat down after he went about 15 different directions. He walked up to me while we were washing dishes. Brother Bonnie, I don't think you were here then. It was before then. but I think Eric might have been here that day. And he said to me, he said, Pastor Rice, I don't have a testimony. I've never been saved. I said, I know. <laughs> I said, I just want to make sure you understood and you knew. And uh, Nick was gloriously saved that day. But Nick, Nick wanted to have an impact. He had a, he had a, a good direction. He, he, he found some truth, but he was not yet a child of God. He had not come to that place of pardon. Can I tell you that you and I, before we can have an impact in our world, we have to have a, come to that place of pardon. Now, all real, vital Christian experience starts at the cross starts at the cross at salvation it has to number two it says he took they took knowledge of them they've been with jesus number two they've been with jesus in the place of power before our lord ascended back into heaven we read about that in acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 and then in verse 8 he speaks before he ascends in verse 8 he said but ye shall receive power he spoke to them of the power of the holy spirit Peter is now standing in Acts chapter 2 before his accusers. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 8 and verse 10, we see the Bible says there, then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. It was not Peter's power. It was Peter was with Jesus in the place of power as he was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to do the work of Christ. Peter and John were pardoned men. They were power-filled men with the spirit of Pentecost. Number three, lastly, they glorified God. They've been with Christ. They've been with Him in the place of pardon. They've been in the place of power. And lastly, they had been in the place of prayer. We can look all throughout the book of Acts. We can see in Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, Jesus said, 
wait here, tarry here. What do they do? Do they sit around twiddling their thumbs? No. The Bible says they were gathered in an upper room and they were praying. They were praying when the Spirit of God came. They were gathered in prayer. Peter and John, when they went outside the beautiful gate, when they healed that man, where were they going? They were going to a prayer meeting. They were going to pray. We see them over and over throughout the rest of the book of Acts. We see prayer. The Bible says in verse 24 of chapter 4, When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Peter and John were with Christ in the place of prayer. Christian, if our testimony is to have an impact in the world, we have to be in that place of prayer. And we see that here. They were, they, we see references all throughout the book of Acts of their prayer life, of their walking with Christ. They said, they're just a bunch of dumb fishermen. How is it possible? Only one way. They've been with Jesus. Christian, have you been with Jesus? Number one, do you know that you've been with him in the place of pardon? Do you know that you're born again? Have you been with him in the place of power? Have you, have you trusted him to empower you, to embolden you? Have you been with him in the place of prayer? Our testimony can have an impact in our world. Every one of you here tonight that know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, you can point at somebody. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was a layman. Maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a mother or a father, maybe it was a husband or a wife or a spouse or a brother or a sister or a co-worker who was responsible for sharing Christ with you. Brother Jeff just celebrated his spiritual birthday, Monday. Brother Jeff had a, uh, a beautiful young lady that was sharing Christ with him. And Pastor Yelany and others, uh, he shared with me the other day, someone else that was, had originally started trying to share the truth with him. He could point to several people and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I got saved a year ago because I had folks that were pointing me to Christ. Every one of you can say, oh, I, the testimony of this person and that person, that's how I came to Christ. Do you realize there's people that you're going to interact with tomorrow that are lost, that need you to have that testimony to point them to Christ? They need you and I to have a close relationship with Christ that our relationship can affect them for the cause of the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Lord, as we think about the testimony of these men, just normal men, Lord, would you allow us to have a close walk with you? Lord, may our testimony, may our walk with Christ and our world affect those around us. Lord, most of all, may we glorify you with our life, with our testimony, with what we say, with what we do. Lord, I pray you bless us tonight. Lord, bless us as we continue to walk through this blessed book, as we see the gospel, the flames of the gospel igniting, as it would spread forth. Lord, as we see now going across the city of Jerusalem, Lord, as we see, as we continue through this book, we see the gospel begins, the flames begin to be fanned and begin to spread out around the world. And Lord, I believe you're not done. Lord, I believe you want us to take the gospel, the message of Christ, and you want us to share it, you want us to spread it. And Lord, I believe the effectiveness with how we do that rests upon our testimony, our walk with you. God, help us to have a walk a testimony, a relationship 
that has an effect in our world. Lord, bless us now. Uh, Lord, dismiss us with your grace tonight. Lord, may you be glorified for our gathering together. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In your precious name we pray.